This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. WTF1 presents Hot Takes Wednesday. Welcome back to another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. I'm your friendly neighbourhood host, Dre Harrison, and just like that, the 2023 Formula One season is over. I'm, I think there'll be a mix of cheers and booze, depending on how you felt about this all-time classic F1 season. <laughs> I couldn't even keep a straight face as I said that, and even got my guest, I'll introduce him in just a minute. But I'm uh, glad you could join us as ever for another HTW. I am your friendly neighbourhood host, Dre Harrison. Glad you could join us again. Um, a couple of people have been asking, like, is this show going to continue through the off-season? The answer will be at least another few more between now and Christmas. So looking forward to getting a few more of your hot takes looked at and reviewed to close out 2023 as a calendar year. Looking forward to that. But I can't do it alone. I need a guest. And with me for this episode, you may have seen him on the WTF Unwrap earlier this season. He has the most energy of any man I've ever seen on the West Coast at 10 in the morning. Um Bless his heart. It's it's Josh Marsh. You may know him as Barista Josh. That's good to see you, Josh. How's it going? Good to see you. Yeah, I do. Uh, I try to bring that energy. The uh, the half drink cup of coffee definitely helps with it for sure in the morning. <laughs> I am not a big. Co- I said this on the on the wrap. I'm not a big, not the biggest coffee <sighs> man in the world. But I could see why I'd you block why that you from get my from- memory, Dre. I'd blocked it out. <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep blocking it. Whatever helps. Yeah. Whatever helps, my friend. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad you're able to get for it, and he will be bringing the energy over the next 45 minutes or so as we review some of your hot takes. So. How does a show work? Because as I always say, every podcast is someone's first. So you, the fine WTF1 audience, can send in your hot takes. Normally, you got to look out for the tweet on Twitter, um, or X, or whatever Elon Musk wants to call it this week, um, at WTF1 official. Look out for the tweet on Monday morning with the bottle of hot sauce. You can't miss it. Send your tweets in, send your tweets in there, um, or posts, whatever you want to call it, um, and we'll have a look at them. You can also direct message me on Instagram, at DreHarrisonWTF1. You can message me on there um there's a chance you, your take could get featured on the show via instagram or you can email the show at contact at wtf1.com all the takes that uh, email to the show are forwarded to my inbox directly so i give them a good read every once in a while so once you send in your takes we'll pick five of them out and uh me and our guest in this case josh will have a little bit of back and forth on each take and then we'll score them on a scale of one to five one being that we strongly disagree and five being that we strongly agree with them. And there's some really interesting ones in this pile. One of the mm-hmm. most interesting mix I've actually picked out um, all year long. In the, in the, in the times of this, 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 this one's going to see some erratic ratings, I reckon. This, but it's going to be part of the fun. Let's see how we go. So, Josh, are you ready for Hot Takes Wednesday? Oh, I'm so ready. Let's, let's get spicy with it. <laughs> Now, just before we get into the end of season hot takes, I've been playing some more F1 Clash, and in their latest update, they've added the chance to play as F1 legend Sir Jackie Stewart. Sir Jackie Stewart was an incredible driver of his time. He won three world championships in five years from 1969 to 1973, and had an incredible winning rate, scoring 27 wins in just 99 career starts. And his legacy moves beyond the track as an incredible champion of driver safety. And you can now play as him in the latest F1 Clash update. Legendary drivers can be unlocked by playing the newly introduced collection Milestones Reward Track and amassing collection points. This track rewards players for upgrading their existing drivers and components, so the more they upgrade, the more rewards they can unlock. In order to unlock every legendary driver, all assets will first need to be upgraded to the max level. Other legendary drivers like Michael Schumacher, Emerson Fittipaldi, Adam Prost and more are available, with even more legendary drivers coming in 2024. So if if you want to experience the new wave of legendary drivers, download F1 Clash today. The link is in the description. Let's get spicy with it. Take number one comes from Latifi's left hand on Twitter. And Latifi's been asking me for a while to get this one on the show. I, I see you, Latifi. I see you. Not on the F1 grid anymore, but I, can, I love the enthusiasm for the show. Um, so Latifi's left, left hand sends in, quote, no new drivers until the new regulations come in in 2026. 
Mm. Mm. Very interested. No new drivers will debut until the new regulations come in in 2026 from the Tifi's left hand. So, Josh, what's your initial thoughts on that one? My initial thought was, okay, I could see this. And then I realized that 2026 is two full seasons away. Mm. Um, and I just, with the with the speed of F1 and some of the, the lower teams, um, obviously the, for the 2024 season, we already have every seat confirmed except one. Just one. Just one. Um, more, more on him later. There is, yeah, more on him is, later. There is a take regarding that, that there empty is. seat. Uh, yeah, stay in tuned. The file for later. Stay tuned. Could, <laughs> could get real spicy later on. Um, mm. I, I would foresee every driver keeping their seat for 2024. Um, but I, I think we will see a switch up in 2025. At least one. Like to say that there won't be anyone new till 2026 feels like quite the hot take. Um, and I just, I just can't see it going three years with the exact same grid well bar the alpha towery shenanigans but mm. aside from that the exact same grid for three years basically yeah like i i i'm trying my best not to immediately score this as a one and, I'm, <laughs> and, I, and, and I normally will try to give the take every benefit of the doubt for me not to go there um now i could see why you would come out with this take latifi's left hand because it's not it's there's not a lot of movement right now in Formula One. Um, I talked about this on the website earlier in the year, where I, I basically said that about 16 of the 20 seats are pretty locked in right now, while other people have got long-term extensions. Realistically, um, you know, you're not going to get a lot of you know big-name movement there, like a Max Verstappen or a Charles Leclerc or a Lando Norris guys who you think are staple drivers. Where even if they left their team, they would get maybe picked up by somebody else, yeah. most likely because they're just they're just top-end drivers. Um, also, I mean, I think this is also a little bit off the back of the news that Theo Porcher just won the Formula Two title uh, this Ooh. past weekend in Abu Dhabi. Good congratulations to him. Um, sadly, he will not be on the F1 grid next year, barring a miracle, because AlphaTauri, well, sorry, Alfa Romeo, I should say, are sticking with Bottas and Joe for at least another year. So, Porcher's been there in that academy for three years now. He's still only 20 years old, and they've never given him an opportunity to be in F1. Joe Guanyu has been their guy, and they've stuck with him, and they've given him an extension now as well, which says to me they want to keep him. So, look, to a degree, I get it. I get why someone would think this up. But this, as you said, Josh, this sport moves far too quickly. Um, I think there is still some intriguing young talent who if they go well next year i think will be right in the mix i think ollie behrman um over there at prima there's a lot of hype around andrea kimi antonelli coming into formula two next year he's being looked at as the next big thing in the mercedes camp um Miata, who's just come over from Japan, who just doubled up to win in Super Formula and Super GT as well. He, he was confirmed today. He's uh, going to be in the Carlin setup in F2 as well. So there's a lot of exciting names still down there, even if maybe our standards of what it would take to get into F1 has increased. Um, because I mentioned this point as well on Twitter, Josh, that we've, we're going to go three years in a row where an F2 champ didn't get on the grid straight away. Going back to Piastri, he, yeah. he, he was he, he, he was brilliant. He, he won every junior title he could think of. And he and showed he th this year that he definitely should have been in a year earlier because my man, the man delivered. <laughs> Absolutely. He was, he was brilliant at McLaren. This He had a fantastic rookie season, should have been in F1 a year earlier. Without question, he was more than ready to go. He sat on the pine for a year as part of the Alpine Academy, never got an opportunity. McLaren poaches him, and he's been brilliant. He's been the second driver that they've been looking for for a, for a little while now, I'd argue. So, yeah, yeah like, I mean... Just, do you think the sport's got a bit of a bottleneck problem for talent right now, just because it feels like there's a lot of safe seats? I think teams are just being a bit risk averse in general. Yeah, I think the the big thing is there's there's drivers staying longer than we've probably seen in the past. I mean, you look at Alonso and what he did this season, and uh, the man w was putting work in with a car that uh, by the end of the season was not as great as it was at the beginning of the season. So no. if Fernando can deliver at, you know, the 
old age in quotes that he is an <laughs> F1, not old at all. Um, no. But in Formula One world, uh, pretty old at the end of the day. Um, yeah. it, it goes to show like, OK, drivers could be around in a while. And the, the only people I see like, uh, you know, giving up a seat and, and leaving, honestly, in my opinion, would be a Valtteri if if like he just gets tired of, of not scoring points and not winning and wants to like move to another series where he might have a better chance of fighting for some things. But when it comes to like, you know, a lot of the higher up drivers, it's like so many of them want want their want their shot at winning and uh, they're still like relatively young. And it's like there is a lot of young talent, but they, how are they going to prove themselves? And I mean, you even have like a Nick DeVries who had a great chance to prove himself in a race a, a year ago got a seat and then didn't deliver to what the team won and, and was, was booted in the middle of the season. So yeah, I think there are a lot of teams that are a little nervous about, you know, bringing in new drivers at this point. You mentioned Fernando turned 42 this season and Mike Crack is Crazy. talking about giving them an extension. Um, <laughs> he could be on the grid in 2026 as a 45 year old, which Woo! would be, I did some, I did some Google them out. The last time F1 had a 45 year old on the grid was Graham Hill back in 1972. <laughs> oh That's how, yeah. And when Hamilton signed his new contract earlier this year, he said he thinks he's got five more years in him, which would take him yep. to age 44 because uh, yep. he's 39 in January. So like you think you're right. I think with modern day nutrition, I think people are looking after their bodies a little bit better. I think, Drivers generally are going a bit longer now than they used to. It's a bit like the older days where where age just wasn't as big a factor when it came to driving. Um, and like you said, I think there's a lot of safe seats. You know, the elite drivers obviously are all going to be kept around the Hamiltons, the Leclerc's, the Verstappen's, of course. Even the midfield, like most teams have now got at least one staple driver. You can mm-hmm. go down the field, yep. like Williams have Albon, who was great this year. Um, Alfa Romeo brought in Valtteri Bottas for his experience, which is understandable for a, for a lower level team. You want a, a, a veteran pair of hands. Same with Hassan Hulkenberg. And Hulkenberg, I think, had a very good season, even he was even if he was in the worst car. They're not going to get rid of him if Hulkenberg still wants to be there. He was very good this year. So, like, teams are risk averse. I think it's that whole nature of better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Um, And I think as a bottleneck, you're seeing younger drivers who could be good enough to be given an effort opportunity are losing out. Porsche might end up in in IndyCar next year, for example. Um, I'm hearing talk Jack Dewan might be in the WEC. Mick Schumacher was announced the other day as going to the WEC with Alpine, and he was a a two-and-done F1 driver. Um, We are seeing them... I mean, if anyone follows IndyCar, look look at the young talent from F2 that's jumped over there in the last few years. Christian Lungard has has been incredible in IndyCar so far. Callum Eilop was in all sorts of news and controversy regarding his time at Junkos. If you're an IndyCar fan, you'll probably know about what I'm talking about. Um, So it's, it's certainly a lot of... There's a there's a lot going on back and forth. I think there is a bit of a talent bottleneck problem, certainly, but I don't think it's going to be a complete grid lockout until 2026. Surely, either someone will retire or someone will be moved on. Look, I mean, Yuki Sonoda's done four years. He's going to done four years at AlphaTauri. Do you think they're going to keep him for, for that much longer? It's, it's either you get promoted or you're gone. And you know, it's a it's long like, time at AlphaTauri. <laughs> Where it's no one the racing bulls <laughs> they're all the racing bulls hugo <laughs> boss bulls adidas bulls whatever the hell is going to end up being next year who knows at this point but yeah I, I can't i have to say one and I, I don't want to but it's it's i just can't get there on the no new drivers i could see how you got there i genuinely mm-hmm. can but zero new drivers I have to say one. If you'd even said less than three, I'd I'd have really entertained going up the scale on this one. But zero, I I, I can't quite get there. So I've got to say one. How you score that, Josh? Are you you and me on this one? Yeah, I I don't think it's actually the craziest of of takes. Uh, I think if you'd said two or less, I could have for sure gotten on board. But Mm. yeah, to say no new drivers, basically uh, in the span of two seasons, I just think that's very unlikely. and, And I will also have to go with one so yeah yeah afraid so i don't like breaking out one and saying this take is terrible but honestly it, this is far from the hottest of takes i've had on this show in my <laughs> no. time hosting it like this is i could see an argument so i, I was trying 
everything to say too um, on this one, but I just couldn't quite get there. <laughs> and when they uh, announced the 2025 lineup and it's exactly the same, someone can clip this and call us out for it because that'd yeah. be crazy. I don't think it's gonna happen. That'd be crazy. Find me on social media. You could, you could, you could throw a metaphorical pie in my face. I would completely understand. Um, I'm like, yeah, I'll take a physical enough. pie. Honestly, if we're wrong, you can come find me and throw a physical pie in my face. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm following them on TikTok just for that. Um, <laughs> I'll keep an eye on that one. I'm downloading the app as we speak. We'll be right back with HTW right after an ad for our friends at Uncommon Goods. If you want to hear where'd you get that this holiday season, Uncommon Goods is your secret weapon. Uncommon Goods is here to make your holiday shopping stress-free by scouring the globe for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for everyone on your wish list. Whether you're shopping for your secret Santa or your entire family, Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. There really is some incredible stuff on the site, and the best part is that when you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. These fine products are often made in small batches, so shop now before they set out this holiday season. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the US. They have the most meaningful, out of the ordinary gifts anywhere. From art and jewelry to kitchen, home, and bar, Uncommon Goods has something for everyone. Not the same lackluster gifts you could find just anywhere. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a non-profit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash WTF1. That's uncommongoods.com slash WTF1 for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. Back to the show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Take number two comes from Ya Olev on Twitter, and Ya Olev says, "Give Logie Bear, I love, I love that nickname, Logie Bear, Logan Sargent, another chance to prove himself. If by next year at Monza time, Monza time, he doesn't show sparks, let him go." So yeah, in other words, give Logan another year to prove himself. If by let's say September, which is normally where Monza is, uh, doesn't show any spark, let him go. So. He's the one seat left on the grid that's not been confirmed. We we don't know. Um, there was a bit of spice regarding that last Abu Dhabi race because I, I heard James Vowles on the radio thank Logan for the year he's had, said there'll be mm-hmm. many more winters together, which kind of implied he'd be staying. But then he kind of walked it back on social media afterwards. I'm just like, hang on. Um, are you keeping him or not? Um, I, I don't know why they're waiting so long. Surely you have a good idea by now as to whether you want to keep him or not and and whatnot. But how do you feel about it, Josh? Do you think Logan Sargent deserves a second season? Yeah, so first off, on them not announcing it, I think that is the, the the dumbest thing that Williams can do is not announce a driver at this point because if nothing else, you are if you're keeping Logan, you are just giving him unnecessary stress leading into the few weeks that F1 drivers actually have off to Agreed. like enjoy 100%. and relax. And like we know that like when Logan feels relatively confident, like the man does well. Coda was a great example. He delivers an F2 like he's got the skills. It's just something about his performance in that Williams is just abysmal, honestly, so many weekends. But I I do think um, they should give Logan another season and see what he can do. Um, I do think just based on his F2 performance and some other races this year, I think he has a lot of potential and there's been a lot of, I mean, he's had a lot of stress just being like the US F1 driver. Mm. It's like 
Um, there's a lot of pressure on him uh, at the end of the day. And to be fair, his teammate is Alex Albon, who is mega in that Williams when at the end of the day, like we, season. he shouldn't, he shouldn't be that good in the Williams. So when you're, you know, your teammate is basically scoring every single race weekend, it feels like um, that's a lot to go up against. But um, I do think they should sign Logan for another season. But where I'm going to disagree with this take is I don't think Williams is a team to drop someone mid-season. Um, so I, I think what we could see is by the time September happens and the summer break has happened, they could announce another driver for 2025 at that point. Um, yeah. But I don't see any situation where Williams drops uh, drops Logan in the middle of the season. That is very much a Red Bull Alpha Tower thing to do. Uh, yes. And like they are comfortable doing it. But even this year with uh, Alpha Tower, like they dropped for Daniel, who they'd been seeing in simulator work and seeing in different things um, and like know his driving style and seen him get more comfortable. Whereas like Williams would be dropping him for someone that has no experience in the car and they're just throwing him in the middle of the season. But I could definitely see if he's not delivering by Monza that like there is an announcement at that point that he does not have a seat for 2025 and, you know, someone else has that at that point. But yeah. This is a tricky one. And I say it's a tricky one because it's hard to stand out when Alex Albon is your teammate, who is a <laughs> damn good driver, has had an excellent season in that Williams car, um, has scored almost all of your points on the year. Logan wasn't in what I would call an S-tier prospect where he won F2 and you're mm-hmm. immediately thinking he's going to be incredible. He was like a he was a top end, like like top three sort of runner. Um, got his super license and got the Williams gig. It doesn't help that there was rumors about Mick Schumacher and Williams apparently knocked him back. Um, they have got decent academy names like Franco Colapinto who you know, and, and whatnot. They have Zach O'Sullivan there as well. So they've got they've got an academy that's brewing, certainly. Um, maybe another year would be needed before we can really start talking about one of those guys in the academy potentially taking an F1 seat, depending on how well they do an F2 next year. But it's a tricky one because Logan has had many a poor weekend, but I do generally think he's driven better towards the end of the season um, where he looks a bit more like someone who could be a feasible F1 driver in the future. Um, the point at Cota was really solid. I think he drove reasonably well in Vegas. He was, he's, he was able to follow Albon on track a lot closer, which is what you need. I mean, look, People will jump at like the twenty-two-zero qualifying stat that Albon swept him with, which is not a good look. I'm not gonna, I'm not no. gonna lie, but how like are you expecting Sergeant to come into a team and beat Albon straight up? I think that's an also an unrealistic expectation. Um, so I think you've got to be a little bit careful on how we assess rookies in general. I generally, and Franz Tost has agreed with me you know, as it is the part of AlphaTauri team boss this this weekend that you should be giving rookies three years. And I think I agree with you, Josh, when you said Williams are not ruthless. They gave Nicholas Latifi three years. Um, <laughs> and Latifi was, look, we love him, lovely guy, but we know he wasn't really F1 standard, um, which, you know, harsh to say it was. The only person they really only gave a one-year deal to was Robert Kibitza, and he really wasn't fit for F1. Even mm-hmm. We loved seeing him back, but um, he, at that point, he just wasn't on that level anymore. So... It, it's hard. I, I I want I want to see Sergeant get given a second year because I think being I think hiring one and done drivers I think is too ruthless. I don't think you're going to get the best out of somebody by doing that. And also, if you did get rid of him, who would you replace him with at this point? Exactly. Like it feels like it's sunk cost fallacy where it's like you've mm-hmm. already invested a decent level F two driver, brought him up, and tried to get a good year out of him. It feels like you'd be doing that again if you took somebody else out of that camp and did the same process all over again. So, yep. like, who would realistically be available? Theo Porcher is in the Sauber Academy, so you can't realistically poach him unless you're definitely offering a seat and there'll be some sort of buyout or something like that. Ayumu Owasa is going to super formula. He was third in the championship this year. Um, Frederick Vesti's part of Mercedes. I don't know what Mercedes are going to do with him. Um, but, you know, is Vesti a top-tier prospect? Or was it, is he, is, I don't think he's much brighter than what Sargent was when he was in F2. So yeah. it feels like you're either repeating history or you might as well see what you've got with Sargent for one more year and see if he improves. I, I, I think 
sticking with him is probably the way to go. So if, if I, I'm leaning towards agreeing with this one, is what I would say. I think give him a second year, give him the full second year, and then see what the lay of the land is driver market-wise for 2025 and go from there. Um, I get it with Williams because they've actually been really good this year. They're seventh. They were seventh in the constructors overall. And, um, you know, overall, um, they, they're in a much better place than what they were. So maybe there's pressure to get a better second driver when one guy scored 98% of your points. <laughs> um, but... Um, Mm, I, I, I lean toward... I'm going to say four here. I, I, I agree. I think give him a second year. Give him a second year and, and see what you've got and then go from there. I, I think I don't think cutting him now and bringing in somebody else at the last minute is going to do you much good. That That's how I look at it. How do you feel, Josh? <laughs> I was also thinking a four. Um, could have been a five, but I, I just can't agree with the part about um, like uh, let him go at Monza, but I think... By, by that time, they'll know whether he's sticking around or not, or, you know, around that September or October time. So um, I would say a four. It would have been a five if if you just slightly reworded it differently where he wasn't going to get cut in Monza. Because, again, I just don't see any situation where a Williams team cuts a driver in the middle of the season because throwing you'd, you'd someone in that shambolic. car. Oh. Yeah. You you'd have to like have doubled your you know damage uh, amount that you, that he did this year and like we we don't want to see that you know that's not no. the driver standings we want up at the top of at the end of the day. No, never, no. So yeah, four from me, five from Josh on that one. Yeah, I I, I think give Sergeant a second year and see what you've got. Certainly, um, take number three, and this is a bold one from Jenny Redford. <laughs> I'm excited on, for this one. <laughs> Oh boy! This is like, I, I, you can't see it, but I'm putting on my hazmat suit as I read this out. <laughs> yeah, you can hear take, it zipping up in the background. <laughs> yeah, t- take three from Jenny Reed's. Max Verstappen is proof that F1 needs to reevaluate its measures to get closer racing. Strong cost cap penalties. Um, find ways to get closer racing. Whatever they're doing now isn't working, and it sucks for drivers and fans. IndyCar had a good mix of race winners this season. Why can't <laughs> F1? There's the IndyCar comparison. I uh, knew this day would come on Hot Takes Wednesday. As a guy that watches both, I've, I've alluded to the series many a time, so it, it was inevitable that this would come up. One more time, Max is proof that F1 needs to reevaluate its measures to get closer racing, including strong cost gap penalties. Whatever they're doing now isn't working, and it sucks for drivers and fans. IndyCar had a good mix of drivers this season. Why can't F1? Oof. Okay. You want to start so, us off this time? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I got I some to... things to say, but I'll let you start it off. <laughs> I'll take one for the team on this one. I'll go first. Um, did you watch IndyCar this year, Jenny? Because Alex Polo completely curb stomped the field in IndyCar this year. Yeah, we there yeah. was more <laughs> variety of winners. Yes, I will not mm-hmm. dispute that, but we didn't get a title fight this year. Now, don't get me wrong. This is kind of an outlier for IndyCar. It's kind of it designed it for is. it to be... I mean, look, I don't think IndyCar comparisons are entirely fair. And the reason why I don't think it's entirely fair is, one, IndyCar is a driver series. It's a spec series. All the cars are identical. The only thing you can change are the damper settings. Like, it's it's designed for it to be close. It's designed mm-hmm. to be almost purely on team setups and driver skill. Formula One is an engineering sport first. You engineer yep. your way to success. Like as much as we are all probably more personally invested in drivers over teams, it's still an engineering competition that it's f- at the forefront of what it does. Um, and that's the big difference. Like IndyCar is deliberate. I mean, they've even had double point rounds. Like the 500 used to be double points. The season finale used to be double points. They intentionally, they intentionally tried to make their series close. I mean, Polo won the title in Portland. He ran it around early this year. That was the first time, I think since 2007, that IndyCar had been won a race early. That's, that, it's, it's close by design. That's, mm-hmm. you know, and look, as a fan, as a neutral fan, I'm sure a lot of people would enjoy that more. Look, I I love IndyCar as a series. I make no bones about it. I know many, many people who do on social media. It's a fantastic series. It's very intimate. It's got a lot of fan interaction. Their drivers are generally very likable. Like, I love IndyCar, so I, I, I'm not going to be the person to dismiss it, but I just, 
they're they're two very fundamentally different series um and f1 has tried to make the, the racing closer the last regulation set was all about trying to make the cars closer you know moving more downforce under the cars of the ground effect rules we now have and you know moving some of that downforce off the top of the cars it was working last year yeah we didn't get much of a title fight but i'd like to think that the racing was actually pretty good the problem is you're fighting engineers and they are going to look for every exploit in the book to make their cars quicker. They conflict with those regulations. And when that happens, mm-hmm. it will make the racing bad because the engineers are not paid to make the show more entertaining. They're paid to make their car move as fast as possible. Like So it, 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 it conflicts, and that's unfortunate. And then, look, as a... As a sports fan, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that Max Verstappen winning 19 out of 22 races in a year <laughs> is good for business. It, it probably isn't. Um, and that's sport sometimes. And I think it's weird because I think Formula One is like the only sport where this really comes around all the time where it's like, we should try and hurt somebody else so that, so that the sport's more balanced and more equal. Like I'm a, I'm a huge soccer fan. Man City's won five out of the last six league titles over here in the Premier League. I don't hear people saying Man City should be given a cost cap. Yeah. <laughs> As a Manchester United fan, I would love that news, but, but they're the best run team in football and you have to applaud and give it to them. That's the whole point of the competition. It's, it's, you know, it's you know, well-run, well-managed teams succeed. And look, Formula One does more than most sports in that regard. So... Mm-hmm. I'll let you take over for a second here, Josh, till I catch my breath. But like for yeah. me, like the sport is trying, but at the same time, it's also kind of fundamentally built for it not to really be close. That's that's, all, that's my initial thought. Yeah, take a you? breath, turn a fan on. It's, it's you know, whew, we we really getting the hot takes spicing up now. Uh, I. Yeah, when I read this, I'll, I'll be honest, I've seen this take a few times on, on Twitter and on TikTok, mm. and I cannot stand this take. Uh, <laughs> IndyCar is a wonderful series, and if you want to watch drivers race basically identically spec cars, go watch IndyCar. Uh, if, if you take F1 and you like make it the same spec and you know make all these regulations, all we have is IndyCar in different-looking cars at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, F1 is unique because of that engineering perspective. If you watched the Braun documentary, which if you haven't, go watch it because it is. I mean, I, 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 still, I still need to watch that as it goes. Oh, right. I, 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 I haven't got Disney incredible. Plus. <laughs> uh, incredible stuff. Uh, amazing. But the whole reason that that, you know, that Braun had a chance to, to fight and do what they did is because of an engineering perspective. If it was just a, you know, cost cap and a identical teams braun wouldn't even have been a team that was fighting that year because there would have been no point for it because the entire reason they were fighting was because of an engineering exploit that they did to make their cars fast at the beginning of the season now obviously in that example teams got a little bit closer as other teams kind of figured out what they were doing and you know did it themselves Mm. um in the world of f1 there are ways to make things closer but also i would like to stand on a a little hill uh, that's going to get me a lot of hate online i think uh, and say it. that Red Bull was not as dominant as a car as people claim it was. Um, and it was a it is a good car. It is a very good car. Max is an incredible driver. Um, and Checo being in the other Red Bull proved a little bit that there there that car was not a you know, was not a one two car every race weekend. Now, obviously, I'm not you know, Checo was not perfect this year. The man had a lot of errors. If you know, yeah, (laughs) yeah, like had a lot of errors. Um, but I think that's what's interesting is the that he showed kind of what that car actually should have been able to do. Um, but then you have Max come out here, uh, never DNF, not his lowest finish was, uh, was it P5 in Singapore? P4? Fifth in Singapore, everything else was first or second. Yeah, which is an incredible result. And at the end of the day, it's it's because he just put himself in a good position um, in a car that was good and was fast. But also by the end of the season, we didn't see him pulling that like 30 second gap on the rest of the field. Um, 
But even in those times where he was pulling a 30 second gap, Checo was pulling nowhere near that kind of a gap from the rest of the field. So um, at the end of the day, I'm very excited for the 2024 season because I think even though Red Bull has been doing a lot on their 2024 car, as they keep telling us, which is just a little nerve wracking, I'll be honest, (laughs) makes me a little scary, scary. (laughs) Um, but like seeing seeing what McLaren has done at the end of the season, um, seeing what like even Ferrari and Mercedes have been able to do. Mercedes with a car that should not have been P2 in the, in the constructors. Let's be honest. Should no. that car. Russell crashed it today during testing. Um, whether it was on purpose or not, hey, you know, you can come to that. It was know. a Viking burial. Yeah. <laughs> he was just done with it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like F1 is a sport around engineering. Um, and if you figure out ways to make your car faster in that sense, um, sure, it's cool when regulations do attempt to make things closer but at the end of the day it's like you have the adrian newies of the world who are going to figure out ways to still make your car faster um and for me i think that's what makes f1 exciting um and it does lead to some crazy fights um that happen where there are some really close battles um and i mean even this year incredible battling for like the midfield of the championship we had a four-way battle for p4 in the driver's championship mm-hmm. going into the last race and everyone's like oh it was kind of a kind of a boring race not really like nothing happened it's like the racing was kind of boring but like there was an incredible battle going on you just had to like be aware and watch for it sure is there crazy fighting going on for you know first this season no um but hopefully that changes this year as other teams have kind of figured things out and you know hopefully we have some closer racing but yeah when it comes to like turn it into Turn it into IndyCar, incorporate more cost caps. It's like at the end of the day, you're just going to turn it into a series that we already have. Like, sure, um, it would make the racing closer. But I think that's what makes F1 more exciting is like at the end of the day, we have no idea what 2024 has in store. And we could see a Ferrari, a Mercedes or a McLaren come out screaming out of the gates in Bahrain. And like we could have a McLaren win in Bahrain and people will be like, F1 is the greatest sport in the world. This We're is amazing. <laughs> amazing. No, no, no. It's like Max finishes P4 and everyone's like, this is the greatest sport ever. Um, but, you know, that's just going to be anytime there's someone dominating, you're going to have this kind of talk. And at the end of the day, I love F1 the way it is set up, even if it does lead for some slightly less interesting seasons. But then you also have to look back at the season and be like, this is never going to happen again. Like, I don't know if anyone will ever beat Max Verstappen's win percentage um like a uh, record that he currently holds at 86 and a half percent like that is an astounding feat to do and i don't think anyone will ever beat it and that's what makes f1 cool yeah it's it's like when steph curry hit 400 freeze in an nba season you, you it, it was a unicorn you, you 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 will likely never see that ever again i literally i've, ri- I've written about that race and i've seen that season i just i just said it's like when usain bolt ran that 9.58 in berlin you you knew you'd just seen yep the greatest 100 meters run ever seen and probably never will again because it was so far ahead of the field. Look, I get it. You know, like I said, dominance can be boring. And look, mm-hmm. Formula One has stories of dominance far more than it has title fights. 2021, I think, spoiled us a little bit. It, it, was, an all, it was an all-time great title fight. What Max pulled off this year but don't get me wrong an an incredible season probably the greatest individual f1 season ever and i don't think we'll ever see anything like it again i also admit that's probably a lot closer to the norm of an f1 season than what 2021 was yep um and that's unfortunately how sport goes sometimes sometimes somebody cracks the regulations open and you know adrian newey is arguably one of the greatest technical minds in f1 history for that very reason because he's he's brilliant at his job he's able to exploit that and that's 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 the game that's how f1 has always been um as they used to say in nascar if you ain't cheating you ain't trying and i know you mentioned <laughs> the, the, the the cost cap penalty in there look again I'll, I'll come out with my own bold take i thought that penalty was fine last year when they hit when they were hit with 10% of their wind tunnel yeah. and 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 7 mil I I mean I don't I think a lot of people wanted points to be taken off max I think called it what yeah. it is um and I don't think max should have been 
had points taken off him for something that his team was ultimately accountable for. Um, I never thought that was a fair fight. And the rules had it that way because the inmates run the asylum in F1. So if you take an appeal, point deductions come off the table. Uh, so, yep. you know, a lot of people don't know that about, about that cost cap regulation. But uh, yeah, because Red Bull admitted fault, they were like, well, they can't deduct points anymore. Anyway, yep. um, that's a side. That's a, that's a discussion for another day. Another but, day. Another day. No, but... <sighs> The sport does try to get closer racing in, and uh, but there is old, ultimately only so much they can do without it becoming a spec series. And if it becomes that, there is very little point in teams hi- hiring a thousand people in their teams, having all these resources to try and make their their operations as good yep. as they can be. It's it's an engineering sport, and that's and unfortunately that I think will sometimes clash with our culture as fans who, you know, we want it to be more of a driver's sport. We like putting the drivers on a plinth, and that's a <laughs> lot to do with our sports fandom in general. You don't cheer for Inter Miami, you cheer for Lionel Messi. Um, you know, it's, yep. it, that's generally how this goes. So uh, to a degree, I get it, you know, but at, at the same time, they're just two fundamentally different sports in the way they go about themselves. And, and yeah. like, like I said, and this year was all the proof in the world. Even IndyCar can have a, 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 a down bad year every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and that's with a series that is deliberately designed to be close. Um, and, and again, a salute to Alex Polo. If you haven't watched him Crazy. this year, he was absolutely incredible in IndyCar this year. And no wonder people were talking about him and potentially getting F1 seats. Guess it swings and roundabouts at the end of the day uh see him in court um yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day if you want f1 to change you just need to offer adrian newey enough money to leave the sport and then honestly you'll probably have a pretty close fight <laughs> but the, the, the amount of zeros needed on that check so many me. zeros on that check but i'm saying everyone has a price and i bet he has a price it's a big price <laughs> It, it is age, I'm sure he'd love to sit down at a certain point. The man mm. is around retirement age now at this point, so it wouldn't surprise me. Let me score this take. I'm going to say two. I don't think it's a total disagreement. I, again, I, I can get the argument of, yeah, Max is dominating. You don't want Max to win all the time. It's bad for everybody. I mean, when I mentioned on Twitter that it was the greatest individual season of all time from Max. The amount of people in my mentions were like, thank God that's over. And let's hope he never does that again. And look, <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. Dominance is only going to appeal to you if you like the person that's doing the dominating. Yep. Um, but it's a, it's a fundamentally different sport for me. And I'm okay with that personally. I, 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 I applaud the engineering. I applaud the developments and the technology that comes with making these cars and makes this sport what it is. So, yeah, is the race imperfect? No, but I do think the sport has actively made the effort to try, and that's good enough for me. So I'm going to say two um, on this one. Uh, how do you score it, Josh? Yeah, I'm giving it a one. <laughs> I'm going, <laughs> Fair I'm enough. going for the one. Uh and I, it's just it's just because I you're you're just comparing it to another series at the end of the day, and it's it's if you want to turn it into another series, then great, go watch that other series at the end of the day, because uh, IndyCar is great and everyone should watch it. It's fantastic, but um, yeah, just it's it's the nature of F1. Now, if if F1 keeps giving out unnecessary penalties for people racing, <clears throat> Checo and Abu Dhabi, then we're gonna agree we aren't gonna have racing anymore, and we will Agreed. have some problems. <laughs> Agreed. That that's, a a that's a whole other hot take. That's a whole other hot take. To be fair, I'm right with you. I did that was five <laughs> seconds, so you know I'm right with you on that one. <laughs> Off the record. <laughs> One more advert before we hit the road on Hot Takes Wednesday, and this one's from our friends at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. Even I can do it. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in developing quality hires versus leading competitors. 
LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash WTF1. That's linkedin.com slash WTF1 to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Back to the show. Take number four comes from CubeJabF1. Hi, James. Good to see you. James says, Aston Martin will never be the serious contender season long that they claim they will be. The team has never, as any entity, managed to develop their car. And even with the new base, I have no faith in them changing that. Ooh, mm. that's harsh. Uh, that's harsh on Aston Martin. Yikes. Ooh, right? <laughs> Yikes, okay. Aston Martin will never be the serious contender of the season long that they claim to be, that they have never, under any entity, managed to develop their car. And even with the new base, I have no faith in them changing that. Man, that's that's a bold one. Wow. Uh, uh, are we down that bad than Aston Martin already, Josh? Like, uh, like, like, there's the fun over already. Some people are, I guess. <laughs> I I see where slightly where they're coming from with this take because, to be fair, as soon as Aston Martin took away the upgrades they did this year, the car went back to being fast, which is yeah not what you want to see. Uh, but again, that is the nature of F1 when you have an engineering forward series. Is sometimes you make the wrong calls with uh, what's going to make your car faster. Um, Hopefully, I'm hopeful that they've learned from that um, and they can bring that knowledge into the 2024 season along with a few other teams uh, and give us some some really good title fighting. But I, I do I can see where you're coming from with this take, because to be fair, they, they did develop their car in a way at the be- before the season started where it felt like they were going to be a genuine contender for the championship. And then as they started to develop the car, it just fell off. Um, mm. So in that sense, um, I would say I, you're, you're kind of right in that way because they actually just blatantly showed it to us this year where they tried to develop the car and then it, uh, the developments just made their car so much slower. But I, I do have faith that this year, hopefully they can take what they learned from those attempts at developing and those mistakes um, and put that into the 2024 car and then come out swinging and continue that swinging as the season goes. Yeah, I mean, look, Aston Martin was the story of the first half of this season. You know, Dan Fallows came over there from Red Bull Racing. He was Red Bull's former head of aerodynamics, um, a Adrian Newey apprentice. He goes over to Aston Martin, gets off guard and leave, develops his first car, and it's immediately scoring podiums for fun every week. Yeah. It was, it, it was, it, this is a team that was seventh in the constructors last season, and they were running second for a good chunk of this year. I could, I'm leaning towards agreeing with this take because, I, like, as you quite rightly pointed out, Josh, once the other teams got their houses in order, Aston Martin got pegged back real quick. Like, McLaren yep. had the, that incredible in-season turnaround. Mercedes were always a solid number three sort of team, so they were always good enough where a small game could put them above Aston Martin than it did. Ferrari got a lot better as the year went on as well. They were terrible to start with. But again, they got stronger as the year went on. Aston Martin, the impression that I get is that they fundamentally did not understand their car this year because yep. when they tried to upgrade it, they went from being arguably the second best team to the fourth or fifth best team. Now, I don't necessarily all think that's on them. I think having Lance Stroll in the second seat was an anchor for a good chunk of the season. Um, He was a bit stronger towards the end, Lance. Again, found a bit of late season form, but overall, I think he had a very poor season. Um, And McLaren, Mercedes, and Ferrari all have stronger all have better, well-balanced driver pairings. Leclerc and Sainz, Hamilton and Russell, um, and Norris and Piastri was excellent this year. So I think that plays a small role in it too. But you look back on their history, even when they were racing point, they got docked 15 points in the past for copy and break ducks. Like this is a team that has had issues before when it comes to how to develop their car properly. And it's like they hit a ceiling where they, they can't touch the top teams. And I think this is the closest they've come to being able to do that. And I think part of that is because the Mithy was a bar fight this year oh, yeah. um, between four really strong midfield teams. And hell, even Alpine got a couple of podiums here and there as well um, with Gasly and Ocon. So I think that plays a role in it too. I mean, we'll have, to, I mean, we kind of have to wait and see a little bit because they're, new facilities their new factory the new wind tunnel that's being built isn't going to be fully done until next year 
and even then it's going to be probably another year before you're fully utilizing mm-hmm. that it's going to this is a long-term project i mean at least i think yeah. it is i know lawrence stroll sold some shares lately so hopefully that's not a sign <laughs> of him <laughs> bailing um i hope not um because it feels very, like 2026 prep honestly is what it feels it like. does I mean, I know the rules say they, they can't technically work on their 2026 car until the start of next year. Technically, but I've always said, yeah. how the hell would you enforce something like that? How do you know yeah. something is, is going to be is going to be specifically for your 2026 car? You know, so it's I've always said that rule is unenforceable because it's just like, well, how do you know the difference? Um, so look, I. I I, I want to have faith in Aston Martin. Fernando Alonso was proof that he's still an elite level driver. Um, the car at times was excellent this year. Um, mm-hmm. I still I still think back to Monaco. That was a race that Alonso could have won if they'd have called their intermediate switch right. They probably win that race, um, and yep. they got it wrong, and that cost them a win in my opinion so that they they have got potential to at least get on the podium regularly um and alonso did that for a lot of this season so fair play to him but it's just i could see why cube champs made this point i i was gonna say four i'm gonna knock it down to three and the reason why is because i want to see how this new factory comes out i i'm this is one of those hit me up in another year or so about where this team is and where this car is because this is all a little bit too soon for me. They've they've been so erratic all season that it's hard for me to get a read on where this team actually is right now. Is it the second best team in F1? Probably not. Is it the third or fourth? Maybe. I don't know. Like again, Lance Stroll is a problem. That's something that needs to maybe be addressed down the road as well, but mm-hmm. I'm going to say three. I'm a, I'm not, I don't normally sit on the fence, but this one this one is tricky. This one's nuanced. It's complicated. I think you need to give this another year because Aston Martin, Racing Point, when they were Force India, they've never had an overall amount of resources like this. And how they use them could define them. So we'll have to wait and see. But uh, that's, yep. that's how I think. I'm going to say three on this. What about you, Josh? I'm going to go with a four just because based on this season, um, I do kind of agree. I don't think this is actually like the craziest take and I kind of agree with it. And the not putting it to a five is me being hopeful that they will, they will fix the issues they've had and that this coming season, they'll be able to learn from that and, you know, uh, build a good car and then like continue that on to like make uh, a good fight. But it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's a pretty fair take at the end of the day because it's basically what they showed us this year. And I think at the end of the day, they also like this is a I feel like this is a, a make or break season for them. Like they've had time to mm. get adjusted to the rules. They had a good car at the beginning of the year. This year they made some bad choices with upgrades. Um, and now it's like, all right, Aston Martin needs to deliver in 2024 or like we might see some people pull out. We might see drivers move. We might see Lauren Stroll do some different things like I think this is a, a pretty big season for Aston Martin to see what they can do. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's I think that's all fair. If, if I was going to go one way or the other, I would definitely say four more than I'd say two on that one. Yeah. So I think that's absolutely fair. Um, final take of the episode, and it's American themes because you know. <laughs> I, 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 I love a good American theme take. Soundbrush, <laughs> who's on two weeks in a row. Well done, you. Soundbrush has uh, sent in quote. Andretti Cadillac is more deserving of a spot on the grid than Haas. Why? Andretti would be exactly what Haas wishes they were. A team that's truly American with the capability to fight for podiums week in and week out and get the occasional win off the back of a crazy race. I love that they've painted this beautiful picture of what Andretti could be in the future. Race stealers. Gorgeous photo. Podiums. Put it in the Louvre, call it a day. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Just just, just, just cooking like Bob Ross in the background. It's wonderful. I love it. So, yeah, Andretti more deserving of a grid spot than Haas. Andretti would be exactly what Haas wishes they were. A team that's truly American with the capability to fight for podiums week in and week out and get the occasional win. So, obviously, the core of this take is going to be Andretti's spot on the grid over Haas. Now, let me say on the record, first and foremost, give me an 11th team. I am more than wanting Andretti to be there. Like, I, 
I've said it before on this show. I said it with Caroline a couple of weeks ago on this very show. You cannot sit there and push free Grand Prix in the United States, but throw half a billion at Vegas to justify your new big fancy showpiece race, and yep. then sit there and tell me you don't want an American-backed, American-financed home team that people will root for with Andretti, one of the biggest names in American motorsport. Yep. How could you not want that? And with factory backing as well, because we now know GM will power them in 2028 if they get on the grid. So yep. what more could you want? Like, like, what more boxes are there to tick, in my opinion? Like, this is exactly what you'd want. Like, every time people have asked questions of Andretti and their entry, they've ticked every box. It's like, okay, maybe you've got to pay more than 200 mil. We'll pay it. Okay, get a big fancy factory partner. Does General Motors count? Um, <laughs> is, is that good enough for you? <laughs> is that good enough? Okay, maybe you've got to pay 600 million. Okay, we'll do it. Um, are you building your own engines? Uh, yeah, now we are. Um, so, like, you've, uh, you've ticked every box. You've got this big facility coming. You're American-based. What more could you ask for, Josh? I, I, I don't understand. I mean, I mean for me... And ready should be on the grid tomorrow, as far as I'm concerned. As soon as they're ready to go, put them on the grid. But the argument here is, are they more deserving than Haas? Like, like how do you feel about that as a, as a claim? So this take is interesting because uh, on one side, I think part of it, they are right. If you put Andretti on the grid, they are very much the the American team and like what Haas is trying to do at the end of the day. Um, mm. The other side to have the boldness to say that they will immediately be fighting for podiums every week and get an occasional win. What? Like that is a wild, a wild mm. thought process because you're taking a team that has like, uh, it would be brand new. Like ha just, there's so many variables at that point to like say that they will be fighting for podiums every week. I just don't see that. Uh, there, I think there's, it's a possibility, but it's unlikely at the end of the day. Now, the, the other part of it, of them being what Haas wants to be of like the American F1 team, 100%. You have a team 100%. with the name Andretti on it. You are, an, you are the American team. Um, any, I, I would say most racing fans that have like been fans of racing in the US for more than a few years probably know the name Andretti. And if you're like, oh, there's an F1 Andretti team, they'd be like, Sign me up. Where can I buy merch? I'm supporting. Um, mm -hmm. It's Absolutely. like it's it's just like it's a great marketing tactic at the end of the day, like to to use a name that everyone knows. But to say that they will be instantly fighting for podiums. I mean, they've got great backing. They've got great names. We don't even know who their drivers would be at this point. Like, right. Um, and I think that is the just a hot the, maybe one of the hottest takes so far is to just like automatically say that just because they were on the grid that they will be fighting for podiums um but they That's will they would definitely be the american team for sure yeah. like, this is a multi-layered take and yep. i'm gonna have to kind of play averages on, on on this one to a degree because would they be more deserving of a spot on the grid than Haas? absolutely like i, I don't have an argument about that Haas are and look this is not Haas's fault they were accepted no. onto the grid, you know, seven, eight years ago now. They're a small team. They've only got about 250 people working for them. It's, it's They haven't got the resources that the big hitters do. This is the first season they could even spend the entire cost cap. Like, yeah, yeah you need, like, the sport lives and dies of its independent and customer teams. You need customer teams to support your sport because there's only so many manufacturers at the end of the day. And if, if, if the manufacturers start leaving, then you're in real trouble. Um, you know, so you need teams like Haas. And I don't necessarily want to get into an argument of more deserving, but yeah, the Andretti bid is stronger in every way. Like it's stronger from a resources perspective. It's stronger from the fact that they're, they're going to have factory backing, and it's going to be stronger in terms of branding. Like it's it's Andretti, the the most recognizable name in American motorsport, in my opinion. I know Mario is still a, is a genuine American celebrity and, yeah. and recognizable, even though he's now in his eighties. Yeah. Um, you know, it's he's he's an icon of of, of motorsport in history. So look. It's, it makes sense um, that, you know, that their bid comes off as more deserving because on paper, it's far more fitting of being an F1 team 
than Haas is at the moment. If you were mm-hmm. Mohammed Ben Sulaim, or if you were the F1's commercial, and you were weighing up what Haas's proposal was back then and what Andretti's is now, you go with Andretti every single time. That's understandable. However, where I draw the line is this notion that they'd automatically be great um, walking in, and I don't agree with that. Um, new teams generally struggle. Like, not every story is going to be a brawn where you walk in, find a loophole in the in, in the regulations and develop something that's a unicorn that's going to make you massively successful. Most of the time, that doesn't happen. You know, most of the time, you're going out there on the track and trying to figure out where you're at compared to everybody else. And if you look at Andretti it, right now, look at their IndyCar team. They're middle of the road. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and yes, it's a spec series. So again, you know, you can't put full full weight behind that, but they've got a very talented set of drivers. I mean, last year they had Carl Kirkwood, Colton Herter, and Romain Grosjean, a very strong team. They won two races, but they didn't win the big 500. They didn't have anyone near a title campaign. It was all dominated by Petsky and Ganassi cars. So Andretti is still playing third or fourth fiddle in IndyCar right now. Compared, even throw McLaren in there with Palo Award with you know as guys who are big hitters in that series. So Andretti going to F1 isn't going to be an automatic. We're going to challenge for wins straight away. This is going to be yeah. a long process. I mean. I'll give you an example. The GM deal isn't until 2028. If they come in in 25, they're going to be on likely Renault power units for three years because the rules are: if you come into a new, if you come into F1 as a new team, the team that backs the lowest amount of customers has to supply you. So mm-hmm. they'd be on they'd be on Renault power units and Renault's power units. Ooh. If you've been reading the news, are great. <laughs> Not great. Uh, Not great. Allegedly, as much as maybe 40 horsepower down on the field. So, like, that's going to be a major hamper towards them being successful straight away. You wouldn't think they'd be as good as the Alpine factory team that's in F1 right now when they they were locked into sixth all year. So, for me, overall, yes, I think Andretti is more deserving of a spot than Haas. Yes, if you weighed it up pound for pound. I, I would ha- I absolutely say they're more deserving of a spot on the grid. I, I hate that, that F1 has got this seemingly NFL-style franchise model of we're the 10 teams, we're going to all make money in this closed shop together. I think the yeah. problem is, to solve the issue is, why not both? Have yeah. 11 teams, you know, and, and, and I, I wish that was the solution, but F1's commercial wing doesn't want that, um, which I think is nonsense. Um, but I don't think they're going to be fighting for wins and podiums the moment they get on the grid. I, 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 I think they'd be yep. down the back end of the field with the Williams, Alpha Tauri, that kind of area, and then maybe they can work their way up in time. Um, so with all that in mind, I'm going to say two. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a weird one because I kind of want to say three, but I don't like using three more than once in an episode. So what <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say two, be, mostly because, yes, they're more deserving than Haas, but I, I'd rather they both be in F1 rather than one or the other. Um, and I don't think they're going to be race winners straight away. So I'm, I'm going to say two. How about you, Yeah. Guys? I'm also going to say two because I agree that they would definitely be more of the American team than Haas would, but the audacity to say that they would be fighting for podiums every weekend, just wild <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um, so they would, yeah, they would definitely be like, uh, and like an American F1 team that like the U S could get behind for sure. But just there's, it would, it would take them some time to actually be fighting for, you know, race wins and, and podiums and things. Fun bonus question before I get out of here. Who would you like to see in their seats if the option came up? Ooh. Semi-realistically. Uh, let's see. I, I, so personally, I still want to see Callum Eilat get a chance in Formula One. Sure. Um, and I think sure. the man's Strong got name. some potential. Um, and, oh man, who that is. And... I mean, if we're going, if we're going with like uh, them entering soon, freaking throw Tail Porsche in there. Honestly, get the, sure. get the man in an F one C. Like, let's just get crazy with it. Honestly, 
Why not? I mean, somebody asked me the other day and I said, look, if I'm being realistic, the answer is probably going to be Jake Dennis, given yeah. his Formula <laughs> E World Championship. And he's he's, yeah. he's the one guy that probably has a super license because of his Formula E background. Um, he's a big boy, so he'd be hard to fit in a car. He's he's a man. Yeah. Is he, I think he's six foot five. He's, in the, he's a giant he of a man. Tall. <laughs> um, but um, and I would love to have seen someone like Carl Kirkwood, who is just young and incredibly talented in IndyCar. He's dominated everything on the american junior mm. scene i'd love to see him get an opportunity i would love that if if, if kirkwood can't do it because they are sketchy with indycar and super items they're very they're very tight on how they yeah. give them out um i would i would happily take fio porsche in the second seat tomorrow i think he's more than good enough to be an f1 i just think he's oh, been, yeah i think he's in i think he's been in the wrong academy all these years um i can't believe they think so joguan is better than him personally but well, that's a discussion for another day. That's another hot take Wednesday for y'all. <laughs> Somebody put that in for next week and we'll see how we yeah. go. Um, Josh, before we get out of here, tell the people where they can find you. Thanks, Ray. It's been so much fun. Uh, if you want to Always. drop me a follow, Brees to Josh F1 on any platforms uh, might be changing that username at some point in the next few months. So drop a follow Ooh. now before the username changes, potentially. That's we'll, my we'll, hot take for today. We'll, we'll leave it in the archive. It's still, it, it's a very easy username to remember. Barista Josh exactly. F1. Follow him on his he's on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube as well, I believe, and yep. TikTok. Is it all the same? So yeah, all the give same. Josh a give Josh a follow. It's like being at a walking party. Um, just just to follow him. Oh, the man oh, has yeah. more and the man has more energy than any YouTuber I've ever worked <laughs> with ever, and I and I mean that in a good way because I Woo. love when people that bring bring the heat. And uh, Josh has absolutely done that. Give him a follow from me. Um, it's a great time. He's gonna also follow me at Dre underscore WTF one as well if you haven't already. Um, that's on Twitter or Dre Harrison WTF one on Instagram. You can follow me on there. We'll be back next week with another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. But until next time, I've been Dre Harrison. He's been Josh Marsh. Until next time. Get yourself a coffee. Sayonara. Oh, yeah.